0: You're tuned to Citizen Reporter, number 471, for the 21st of July, 2014.
1: There's nothing more that can be done. The battle has been fought, the race has been run. So, girls, do a curtsy, guys, do a bow.
0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Citizen Reporter. I am your host, Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. Yes, it's been a while, but here we are again. And uh, one of the high points of my summer so far has been a journey to Moscow. Now, people who have been with this podcast over the last 10 years might remember 2010, the journey to both Rostov-on-Don in sort of southwestern Russia and the big journey to Siberia. But this time we went to the capital of this country that has always been, and lately of course very much is in the news and in the discussions around dinner tables and bars and every place you can imagine. my focus in today's podcast together with my guest victor who is a wonderful observer of life in russia as well as a participant of course um the focus is life culture the city because when you're in this city it's so hard to see beyond uh, never mind Vladivostok or siberia or yes even ukraine is hard to see when you're in the city because there's so much going on so much life to deal with uh, so in this conversation I thought I would note that you're not going to hear us talk about Ukraine much and especially keep in mind that the uh, destruction the the shooting down the tragedy the, the crime that was committed in Ukraine I'm talking about the Malaysia Airlines um, Incident will not be mentioned because it hadn't happened yet. This was recorded two days before that happened, two days before the end of my journey in Moscow. So, on the one hand, this isn't about that, and you may be sort of wanting to hear us talk about that, I understand. But at the same time, in a period where so many people are talking about Russia, Angry at Russia for its whatever role in this whole game that's going on. And I say game not to take things too lightly, but there is a bit of a game going on here. Um, At the same time, it is a useful podcast to to that purpose because we're talking about a culture that is so often talked about. And not talked to. Uh, And that doesn't mean that we're going to understand better what is going on in Ukraine, but perhaps we'll understand each other a little better. And that's always the goal of this podcast and this semi-journalist that you're listening to right now. So without too much further ado, let's get to this conversation that was recorded in Moscow just a few days ago, myself, together with Victor, in, of all places, a hotel lobby in somewhere in the middle of Moscow. Here we go. Well hello everyone. Uh we're in Moscow, uh in Russia. Perhaps one of the first recordings of this program in Moscow, not necessarily in Russia. We've been in Russia years ago. Uh and I know many of you hear about Russia in the news. Maybe you've traveled here. If so, then you probably have insight that I don't. Uh and in an effort to learn and uh... discuss interesting topics uh... but above all to learn new things uh... i'm sitting with uh... my new friend uh... well we've known each other maybe a month or two uh... and uh, this is victor so let's say hello hello victor hi mark and uh... victor i you're you're the victim uh... here it happens to be a place moscow russia uh, that is so often in the news depending on where you live so often um Celebrated, hated, it, it gets everything. So let's start with the place, since that's where I came and that's where I spend so much of my day looking at and you and I have been discussing. I mean, this city, it's, it's a mega city. It's, uh, for you, is it a place that is essentially good or essentially bad? Or where do you, where do you put Moscow on your, on your scale of places in this world?
1: Well, I've chosen Moscow for, for the... Uh, Opportunities that are here, and opportunities related to education, to actually professional growth, and all the rest. And I think Moscow is unique uh, from other cities because it's it's quite big. I think we have now around 15 million people living here, which makes it quite a big city in the world. And uh, I think Moscow is unique in terms of you can find here anything. Like if you want to live your life and be in a hurry and, like, uh, being in a rush always, you, you have it, right? Just across the street. Or if you want to live your own life, your own pace, you can also do that. So there is a choice. And, of course, it's hard when you come here. It's shocking how things are moving. It's very fast. It's very dynamic. But then you can actually, if you manage to find your own way to live in Moscow, I think that's that's makes it much, uh, how would I say, much more comfortable in terms of less stress. You can really enjoy Moscow, not just be here, but it took me like five years probably to develop the the way of living here and uh, actually living my way. Many of the cities in this world, the world we currently
0: live in, uh, are larger than they were supposed to be once upon a time. I mean, I've spent time in Cairo. I have grew up around New York City. It's always the city was built for this many people, and now it is triple, quadruple. Uh, From what I understand, Moscow is another one of these cities that... Is it outgrowing what it had? Is it is it bursting at the seams?
1: Yeah, I think it's absolutely right for every city, because now we see more and more people coming to these capitals everywhere. Like in London, you have it. People, there is no job outside of London. Like in UK, but in London, everything is flourishing. Right, uh, so. More or less, right? (laughs) Same story here, but in terms of infrastructure, of course, uh, the city was built for a particular number of people originally. I don't know the numbers, but I guess it's three times lower than it is now, right? So if you take the underground, Moscow underground especially, it was not built for this amount of people. Now, I think it carries around 9 million people a day. Yeah. So that's the big workload, and that's uh, you, you see it, uh, the, the system started to get adjusted to this. You have some. Extra people who take care of of, you wouldn't see this in like we seen yesterday, right? Uh, You don't see it in other station where person is sitting there and watching and in your terms She's doing nothing, but she's there for for the case of emergency If there's suddenly lots of crowd and the elevator is broken She needs to take care and reroute them to some other place. So it's like you have it, right?
0: This was the observation uh, of you know, you have escalators when you're leaving a metro many People know this from where they live. So, here in Moscow, like you said, you know, eight, nine million people a day, usually three, maybe four escalators leaving the station. And there is a little booth with a human that has four buttons or three buttons corresponding to each staircase. And they're just watching. They're watching people go up, they're watching people go down. Uh, and at first, when I saw this, I thought this is some kind of old relic to I don't know what time where it made sense. But you point out how in a city like this, with this many people, this is an important job because when things go bad, and actually we had something happen today where, where there was an accident at a metro station, and that person has the simple but important job of deciding which way the traffic will flow, leaving the station or coming in. Yeah, I've come to appreciate that. In the beginning I thought, oh, how useless. And now I look at it and I understand that, hey, it's Moscow, this is
1: necessary it 's necessary, and I think it 's also related to this maybe part of our uh, i wouldn 't say it 's cultural thing, but uh, there are many visitors here, right, so there are many tourists and visitors, and you know people when they 're visitors, they behave they may behave like nobody 's watching, you know, and these people give this sense that somebody is watching. So, of course, in in the West, you have all this video surveillance, all the monitors, everything is on video. And people know that if you do something, whatever, you are on camera always, so they will find you. And here, people know that they're watched, like there are cameras there, but it's not that obvious. So, the physical presence of somebody actually makes makes sense. (laughs)
0: That leads me to a question. Um, In much of the world, back in the U.S., for those who are listening in the U.S., surveillance is a big deal these days. We happen to live in the country of Edward Snowden. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> haven't seen him, by the way. I've kept an eye out. Um, but uh, in Russia, is surveillance a concern? Are people... I don't read the newspapers. Are people saying, hey, wait a minute, what about all these cameras? Or who is taking our data as Internet users? Is that a
1: topic here? Well, I think it's... I, I in, in, in my... Um, like, circle of friends, and and, uh, it's not the question. And I haven't seen much of the discussion on the the social media that people have watched. Like, there is some control. People complained about the control on it. Like, there are are attempts to control social media and the TV media overall, but in terms of, like, somebody's spine and everything being videotaped, I haven't heard any complaints about that recently. Is it,
0: like, connection? It seems like, okay, if I grew up in the U.S., there's a big culture of get the government away from me, to, to a certain extent, you know, distance between citizen and government. In, in Moscow, in Russia, it's, there's, is there a trust for the government? Or what is that? What do you call that, the relationship? like
1: I think uh, in Russia it's a bit different because people still... Uh, most people i would tell there are individuals who are like smarter than the rest and who want more from the government who want to demand from the government things who are ready to protest and ready to but the majority of people they actually whoever is elected they do not care much so there is not that there is a passion that the people there is no feeling that they can change anything in the system so that somebody is elected and let them be there, right? I'm not going to influence. But now I think that the trend is slowly changing. People, there are systems where you can influence. I personally did this, you know, there is this online uh, site, website, and you can complain actually about things that you see in your garden, in your yard, in your house. You can say if you see some things which are wrong, and you just put there a complaint, and there are people who actually check it and who then help you to prepare the documents to deal with this thing. And now it gives you the feeling that you can change things. It's not like you're just a small thing in a big machine, but you actually can change something. And this feeling comes, and this system is working, which is a very good thing. It gives you the feeling that you you start to trust the, 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 the government more, that they really do things. Of course, there are still these like declarations that yes, we will do this, we will do that. There is still corruption. There are many things that uh, obstacles along this route to implement good initiatives. But on the basic level in Moscow, yes, you can solve some problems.
0: Yeah. So interesting little discussions that are connected to I think a bigger thing about cities in our in our world. Um, when I arrived, a couple of people told me, oh yeah, there's a smoking ban mm. in, in mm. Moscow.
1: Suggest, uh, I think first of June. Right.
0: First of June. So, and I remember being in Istanbul uh, when the smoking ban was coming mm-hmm. and it seemed like such a smoking city you know, and everybody said this is crazy and I actually don't know day to day how it's going but I went back recently and it's kind of normal like oh yeah okay we don't smoke and I remember you know Paris I remember a few cities but when I come here people say oh, you know smoking ban is weird for for Moscow uh, but then it goes further um, parking meters and not being allowed to park on the sidewalk I dodged a few cars today that were parked on the sidewalk one of them was driving on the sidewalk uh, <laughs> he was looking for a parking space. <laughs> um, you know, and, and again, they're trying a new policy, right, where you you get tickets if you park on the sidewalk. And people say, ah, this will never take off, you know, in this city because we're, we're different, mentality is different. But I feel like haven't lots of cities thought of themselves as such nonconformists or such, and won't Moscow just fall in line? I mean, is it so, is the mentality
1: so different that it won't change? Well, I think it's no way different to other changes that people implement. I think there is a usual stage of this, like, I don't remember the full circle, but there is a denial, which is the first stage where you just deny that the changes is here. You say, well, I'll come on, I will keep smoking as I did before, right? That's your first reaction. Then you start to actually think about this, you become accept it's like it gets to accept on stage anyway so you people get get used to the changes of course it's painful of course you start to just you need to internalize it you need to actually apply it you need to find the new way how you live in this new system i was in uk when the ban for tobacco smoking was introduced and i remember how was it we were sitting in the hotel one day everybody's smoking drinking beer next day there are signs no smoking please and nobody smoking. There are people smoking outside, but inside, no. I think here, uh, the war attempts from people like to 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 violate it. Now you see lots of uh, cars been where the, the number plate is covered with some sort of a material, so people cannot see the the, the numbers and they cannot. Uh, but I mean that's also and you, you, you it's amazing when you see these things like on the Mercedes on the last version, right? Yeah, yeah. The car costs like millions, right? And then this guy he he doesn't want to take it. Come on, yeah, you pay for your parking, you. Pay For your Mercedes, but it's a mentality thing, and I think it's it's it will take time for it to change. And I think people will. And overall, I think that's the observation that uh, if you take the West, like Europe, uh, America, people know that there are rules, and they are willing to follow the rules. And here, people want to get ahead of the rules. They want to... There is, I don't know what is it, a competition. Or if you see in the underground, people want to be the first in the, in the escalator. But come on, there is a difference of, I don't know, 10 seconds. You will, But it's this drive, like, I want to get faster. And it creates lots of uh, uh, unnecessary movement where people block each other and they don't allow. So their willingness to be first or faster at the same time it blocks the 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 rest absolutely the the actual function so and it's uh, this part I think is a cultural a little bit and it's maybe because of the past and people I don't know the way of living as I said in the beginning if you are not comfortable you will create the mess around you so you will do unnecessary movements you cannot be in the flow you cannot enjoy it so you become like you struggle in the system and that's why you spend more energy, and you kind of get more energy from the system.
0: Um, there's a, a mentality, there's lots of different mentalities, first of all, right, because we're in a country, there are different ethnic groups, there are different people, but the, there's the more dominant mentalities that you, you may hear if uh, I don't get into that many conversations, but I get into a few, and then, of course, in the press you hear about them. Um, I've, I've come to almost isolate it, and I want to know what you think. Um, I think that the, the dominant mentality, the least common denominator, right? So not necessarily the most intelligent or the loudest, though, is one of the world has gone crazy or is on the road to going crazy, but Russia is not going to follow that road. In all, and I'm talking economic, social, uh, uh, Russia has, we, we, we're not going to go crazy the way the rest of the world is going in the wrong direction. We've got what we need here. Um, it's, it's not a siege mentality, but I'm getting closer to it where it's, it's we know the path, and we're not going to do what everybody else is doing, no matter how popular it sounds, or
1: who tells us to do what. Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting observation that you have, I think that's in a way, uh, yeah, it can be seen this way. I wouldn't, um, um, it's hard to say that this is a common theme for Mm -hmm. Russia, but I found it that yes, maybe uh, this is how we uh, are perceived. Yeah. We are, So it's like one thing that you think of yourself, and then the other thing how you're perceived by, by the, the rest of the world. And I know, and I have lots of friends in the West, and I know how we are perceived, that people really respect, like, there is a feeling of respect, that yes, we have something to say, we know deep things, right? But at the same time, we are not willing to maybe cooperate, and we are not willing to follow the standards, that mm-hmm. are the, the, the rules, as I said. It's not about being ahead of the rules. We don't want to break them. But there, is, there are a few themes, I think, here. Uh, I think that's my observation, right, uh, that there is this feeling of justice, that everything should be justice, the justice should be there. And if there is any injustice... People may react, uh, and this reaction is uh, disproportional to the impact. So it's kind of more than, than needed, right? Yes, okay. Because I don't know why, maybe it's some historical things that happened, like the Second World War and other things and, and it, before. And there was this injustice, and people react quite sharply to any, uh, anything that is injustice. Yes. And if you see this, on, I think, on Ukraine, you see that a, a lot. That somebody's there in the backyard, right, doing something, trying to, uh, I mean, trying to manipulate. split, manipulate the opinion. And we see this. And for us, it's injustice, right? And then this respond, yes, in, in the Western eyes, that's, yeah, that's too much, right? Because of the informational war and how it's given in the West, right? But this is like, mm, this is what we deal with, yeah, this... Yeah response right and I think that coming back to the question of the mentality I think that people here like to be seen special and they have this like I think value inside they know the value for themselves and they're not willing to um, be open to others they don't try to pretend quite direct right people can say you what they think there is less political way of saying things right. Mm-hmm. Like in UK, for example, you come and people will, instead of saying no, uh, and there is a famous joke, I think there was some, some of the comedian coming to Russia and he uh, wrote a big, big thing on, on his visit where he was comparing how Russian customs, for example, or the border guards behave. And in the UK, people say, would you please give me your passport? And in Russian people will say passport. <laughs> sure, sure. Just like, and it's nothing to do with people are rude. They just want to be efficient. It's not about the rudeness. But I understand that this is perceived by others as rudeness, right? It's too direct people not used to this. But if you know, and this is, if you see overall uh, Russians on the streets, they never smile, right? No. They never smile. Uh, probably you saw maybe five smiles <laughs> during your walk. But this is, it's not about people are like very serious and dangerous. No, it's just because not the habit. They're inside of themselves and if you start to talk to them, yeah, then you discover that there are many more to this. And this is impression that most foreigners get when they come and when they they they're surprised by when when they know people better they are really surprised that there is something inside and in a way there is a contradiction because in a way we want to make this uh, uh, look nice and being seen as good hosts and and all this stuff and from another side we don't do much attempts to actually show it from the very beginning. it's I think it's about selectivity, with whom we do this. Mm-hmm. And if we know that the person is in our circle, yes, we show that. We, but we wouldn't do that to the complete strangers. Yeah. So unless you know us and we know you, we'll just say that now.
0: On the, on the same hand, although perhaps different subject, appearances matter a lot in this culture. And I'm talking clothes, I'm talking well, car, I'm yes. talking...
1: That is what a matter of pride, uh, probably yes in a way, uh, and it's a matter of I think it's a matter of following this. Uh, you know, before the Soviet Union collapsed, there were everybody was equal, so there were only this the cars which was like russian made or soviet union made which were not good, but now people have a choice to buy things like you have all access to the Western goods and stuff like that and I think in a way, people want to uh, build an image of themselves and they think that they're successful there is a su- image of a successful person right somebody who is driving an expensive car who is wearing expensive watch who is i don 't know wearing some suit and stuff like that. And sometimes it's amazing to me. I don't have explanation. There are some hypotheses we can build. But there are people who don't earn money. And, I mean, they, they buy car, which is like, I mean, the annual salary. And they will buy this car and they will drive it. They will have no money to fuel it, to get the fuel into the petrol, right? But they will still have this car. And it's amazing. And it's this desire to look nice, and I think it gives them the sense of protectiveness, that they, are, they belong now to this, I don't know, elite. So
0: this tendency, I understand that financially it couldn't exist, but during the Soviet Union, there wasn't as much value for, I mean, whatever you had to look, to look as good as possible. This, this is a newer tendency.
1: I think more or less, I wouldn't say that my parents would actually... Trying to look better than they are, and I mean, my father is still doing this. I mean, he's wearing simple clothes, but he can allow more. But he is not. This is not in their focus of attention. I think it's more or less for the young people, because I think that's in a situation that's a psychological. In a situation where you have low control of the circumstances, you don't know what is going to happen, right? Like we've seen this uncertainty. And people who've been through this uncertainty, they want to create their own space where things are clear for them, right? It's their own world. And in part, this is a compensation mechanism for the uncertainty, I think. Mm-hmm. That's just the theory that I uh, came to just now as we talk. And I think in a way, it's, it can be a compensation mechanism for for, for, for them.
0: Patterns like that exist in, and it's not the same here, but... Uh, you know, I grew up in a city that has a large amount of poverty, and again, uh, you'll see fancy cars, or you'll see fancy clothes, but mm-hmm. homes, food, these all these things, there, there's no money for. So th- there is this tendency to, to want to yeah, appear um, to be doing very well, or to look worth more than mm-hmm. those yeah, who don't. Yeah. But again, I, I, the, yeah, this is such a unique situation compared to that, uh, I, I think.
1: Yeah. I agree, Mark. It's, 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 it's hard to actually draw the conclusion. I think that all countries are different in this mm-hmm. regard, but I think that's what we see. Yeah. It's when you're the first stage. It's, it's like, uh, I, I don't remember who was the author, but that thought struck me one day when I wrote it, that really rich people, they buy luxury goods last. It's the last thing that they buy. They buy luxury goods. It, it's when they are rich, rich, right? and the poor people, they buy luxury things first. And that's because it's vice versa, because the rich person will think well, how to make more money, right? Okay. If you have the investor mentality, if you think long term, if you think about the future, you can, you can buy Porsche for like, I don't know, 100,000, or you can buy something also good for 20,000, and then you invest the rest, right? because it will give you more income. And this is your investment mentality and long-term thinking. But people, it's another feature, I think, for, for, for Russia. And I think that's how also I perceive. People do not think long-term. Mm-hmm. That's the, another. It's like fixing some short-term, responding to some short-term situations, yeah. rather than thinking long-term about the consequences and, and, and things like that. I think in, in many areas, this is true for, for the West as well. Because oh, yeah. we, it's, we discussed yeah, today.
0: The, the right. classic example is the, the environment, right? Any meetings on the environment, the US was notorious for, uh, depending on who was president, but didn't really matter that much. They would say, well, we would take some steps, but only if it doesn't hurt the economy, mm-hmm. which, of course, any steps could potentially hurt the economy, so they took almost no steps, right? And, and in that, I see a parallel with, with Russia, uh, from what I understand. It's like, yeah, we might be willing to do something on the environment, but only if it doesn't hurt the economy now, Right. Uh, yeah, 20 years from now we'll worry, I
1: don't know. Yeah, and you, if you, now people start, they care more, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that now people start to be more aware of the environment because of all this. Uh, yeah. I think That's my take. Because if you take like in the Soviet time, how the oil fields were produced, like Siberia, mm-hmm. now they still deal with these consequences of the oil, how it was produced in the Soviet time. Because there was so many oil that people just didn't care. They produce it, the well, whatever. There is still oil in the ground. They keep, they they go away. They drill another hole. They and there are, I mean, physically, if you look at this, there are pictures you can find it. There are swamps of oil in Siberia, many square kilometers of oil swamps there, and this is the heritage of the past. Yeah. It's not the modern invention. Now, yes, because you have like the companies who produce oil, like Rosneft is a public company. Mm-hmm. So, shales are traded, right? You have TNKBP, you have luke oil. So, there is lots of corporate responsibility for that. And they know that the investors want this. So, there is this feeling that they, they cannot allow it. Mm-hmm. So, this is a change of mentality. But at the same time, there is this focus on the short-term wins. Yeah. It's not like long-term thinking. And that's why coming closing this, like, the way we want to look, this is just really, I want to, in the short term, we want to make good impressions, right? right? But then in the long term, you need to maintain it. And it becomes hard, so. Interesting, I I didn't know anything about that, Uh, the
0: the long-term environmental damage of oil drilling then compared to now and, and the swamps in Siberia. But that kind of stuff has physical, measurable, very easily to see uh, um, impact. What I wonder is when it comes to, but you've already led to that a little bit, when it comes to the stuff you can't see, right? Mm -hmm. Climate change and and, uh, aspects of the the melting of the the Arctic and um, that stuff, since you can't see it right away, I don't know that that's a a concern at all in in, in Russia. I sometimes wonder if that's a concern at all in the United States and and
1: Europe. Well, I, I see that it's a bit of a concern. Well, there are some things that are really of a concern, but it's, it's like there are different groups of people, right? Because somebody who is really passionate about the nature, of course, he will be concerned. And if he has impact, he will tell about his concerns on the highest level. Right. Unfortunately, in many situations, this becomes a weapon, right? who will keep which waste, where, how we manage this. And it becomes a trade-off, right? Because now, you, if I'm not mistaken, in the environmental policy, you can send all your emissions. Like, your country carbon have trading. one, yeah, carbon trading, all these things. It's like, you, you can, it becomes the matter of, like, you can buy it, right? You need more emissions, you pay somebody and you buy it. Come on, that, that's, it doesn't make sense because it doesn't bring you it just costs you more right yeah. but it doesn't change your mentality and I think that's what we faced in, in all over the world uh, and I think for, for Russia um, I think people started, start to care but it, it's, there is a big gap between people who don't care <laughs> absolutely they can uh, throw the garbage on the streets they just don't care and there is a part of society which really cares and there is a big gap Yes. Yeah. And you see it. I, I, I see bits and pieces of it, even just
0: in Moscow. Like, you know, cycling, as much as I can criticize, you know, we're, we're by a very busy street, it seems scary to cycle on it. But yet if I go on the side streets... I see more and more people on bikes, or, or I've seen try, people trying to get on bikes where the public bike system doesn't work. I mean, not, that's not just about you know us. Uh, I've seen regular people trying to get a bike. And uh, the, the, the idea of organic or natural food coming from local farms, here and there, I see these examples in Moscow, and I see people there online to get whatever it is. And, and um, at the same time, not unlike places in the rest of the world the big box stores the ikeas i saw the traffic going towards the shopping malls and the and i what i see is a yeah the mentality of cheap is best and everything else i don't know environment mm, i'm too busy uh i'm trying to get by or whatever
1: Absolutely, and here I think that Russia is not unique. I think it's that's the same in any country. You have always part of population that wants to buy the the cheaper, the better, right? That's the mentality, and the more, the better, all right. And yeah, then you have people who are on the other end, like the more quality is better. It's not about the quantity, it's about quality, it's more about like organic versus cheap, and stuff like that. And it's just different poles of one reality, different polarities. And I think Russia ha- here doesn't have any uniqueness to other countries. Of course, with the, with these bicycles and stuff, we wouldn't become Amsterdam for sure. <laughs> <laughs> because of the away. weather <laughs> yeah maybe but w- because of the weather I think even not New York because the winter's here you, can, you need to park your bike for six months yeah. Yeah. Uh, because you cannot drive it then. so
0: right. you need spikes on your tires chains yeah, well, <laughs>
1: but not in Moscow because in Moscow it's just like it's, you will be coming to work all dirty and, and all this yeah, it's right. impossible alright let, let me uh, come
0: to the big question um, there was a question about that I wanted to ask you on the on the global scale, right? In any analysis of the near future that you read, uh, there's lots of discussions of China and and the, the wealth they've amassed and the, the potential from the rise of the middle class, and India gets a lot of uh, ink about what they're going to do. The United States is always mentioned, not so much as a future star or anything like that, but a continuing c- consumer and um, even Brazil these days, maybe because of the World Cup, but you know, is discussed as a as a powerhouse. Here we have Russia. People talk about the the oil and the gas, okay? I think a lot of people know about that around the world. Um, is this a country that's on that that top 5 list of countries that are going to lead the world in the future or do they not have the advantages of a of China
1: and India, I mean, where are they in the big scale? I don't believe in this, like, there is one country should be a leader. I don't believe. Because I teach lots of leadership, right, yeah, in yeah. terms of the programs. But I think that there are a few ways how you can look at the leadership. You can look at this as there is one example, and who needs to be followed? Like, I'm a leader who, is, who knows what's the best for the rest. And there is the concept of leadership where we can achieve results together as a team. And I believe in this concept more. And I think that that's where the world should move, that there is a leadership as a team process. It's not like somebody is a leader and who is saying what's right or wrong can be a judge and actually mess up with every situation that violates it. But I think it's more about the team process where we can agree what's good for the world and we jointly achieve it. And this is leadership, it's a process, it's not the role, and it's not like, uh, I think this is where we should move.
0: I'm also wondering about things like, I'm only looking around, right, walking around town, but I'm wondering how many children I see. How, how old is this country going to be, uh, in terms of percent of elderly? Can they afford it? Every country is asking themselves this these days. But I wonder where Russia falls on that scale. Uh, and then the whole aspect of modernization, as things become automated, and, and you know, what happens with more unemployment or less unemployment. And, and That's where I'm kind of, I mean, this is a, a bigger analysis, but that's what I'm looking at as I wander around the city, wondering where this place falls in, in 40 years or 50 years.
1: Um, Falls is perhaps not the right word. (laughs) I get what you mean. I think that what we see now in Russia, that there is definitely there is population um, gap demographic gap yeah, yeah. that there is the, the decline in population is going still there is more mortality rate than there is a birth rate i still i think we a few years ago we changed it but it will take another 15 years to actually bring it back
0: is it like but, two kids a uh, family something
1: yeah i think that's a standard okay. but i mean we need more if you want to grow we need to have three there are now programs which actually support the young families to have two and more children yeah. so there are good compensation mechanism. There is. A, these allowances for the property to apartments that people can actually expand their space they live in. So there are programs, and governments start to think about this. And there is another part that there is this migration, the changes to migration legislation that they want to bring more, to allow more migrants from the former USSR countries to come in and actually be legal here. Mm -hmm. Because there is lots of uh, them, but they're illegal. So to actually legalize it and make it just manageable rather than just spontaneous. And yeah. I think, yeah, people think about this, how it will develop. I think that you see many kids on the streets now, you see many pe- women pregnant, so mm-hmm. I think that there is all good signs right. that we're going in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there, there could be a balance. Yeah, because in be. a lot of the world, there is no sign of there being a balance in all this, right?
1: I mean, it's uh, yeah, I some countries are the young, and some countries are the old, and... Yeah, but- I mean, this is like very interesting. I've heard this. Uh, if you look at the, like Germany, for example, or other kind of Germany, if you look at this from this end, but they, there are more senior-level uh, leaders there. So to become a leader or manager, you need to be really senior. People actually get to these positions when they're 40, 50, 60 even, right? They're more senior. They know how to do things. So they leave to the pensions quite late which means that they cannot allow more young people to come in. Physically, they cannot allow them because there are no spaces. So, And that's why there is very common when people in Europe, they're students until they're like 30, 35, they're still students. They're teaching some new things and learning. And only then they start Mm working. And I mean, by age of 30, many years, many people in Russia, they've already been through so many leadership challenges in their lives they had to deal with uh, some uncertainties and they and that's why they became uh, i think uh, very skilled in this yeah and that's why it's a very different uh, so there's
0: a lot more young leadership positions or younger people in
1: leadership positions You know, I can see i mean there are people who i know examples of people who were 26 and they were managing huge division inside of a big organization, successfully managing. Mm-hmm. There was an example, uh, I think a few years ago, I traveled to Ural and there was this, there is a, uh, one of the enterprises and they invested about $1 billion in the new uh, facilities and new equipment, new project, installed it. It was a white metallurgy right. idea. And the guy who was managing this project, he was 24. Mm-hmm. 24-year kid, right? And he was managing the whole thing. And it's still there, and the Japanese people come, Japanese engineers come to see this miracle there in the Chelyabinsk, right? So this is like, this is an example. Yeah. And these people are trusted. It's a matter of trust. We really, there is openness. If you know things, you can influence. Mm-hmm. And there are more examples like this. I mean, now there are many leaders with whom we work that 35, 30, 40... Of course you have senior people like uh, ex, the, the, the old generation still there, but I mean there is this young generation who is catching up.
0: Yeah.
1: That's yeah. just the, the, the observation.
0: Yeah. yeah, and that's what I wanted to do today, Victor. Uh, it was a matter of uh, people have so many questions about this place and the people who live here. And oddly enough, even though we have the internet, And many of us can speak each other's languages. Admittedly, I think Russians more often speak uh, or English or something else than we speak Russian, although maybe that could be changing. But um, strangely enough, we still have a lot of misunderstanding between cultures uh, based on the information we do or don't consume, it's it's amazing. Like you, you could know lots about this place, but yet we don't. So that's where we need like yeah. meetings
1: and, and tourism and visits. And it's and my only advice for all people, for us, for them, that we need to be become more curious about each other.
0: Mm. Just
1: it. Yeah. If we do stop trusting what people, uh, what's open in the public. I mean, what's media is giving us, and we start really to become curious how these people live we will discover many similarities and we will understand that we are all the same, right? And there is like, yeah, we have our own specific, our own cultural things, cultural difference because we have different history. But at the same time, we are all more or less same. So if we become more curious, I think we will live in a better world.
0: (laughs) That is the greatest note to end on. Uh, Victor, thanks so much for uh, recording a little with us today.
1: Thanks, Mark.
0: Thanks. We'll see you back here in Moscow as soon as possible.
1: Okay. <laughs> see you, Mark. Good.
0: You've been listening to Citizen Reporter. That was me, Mark Fonseca rendeiro in Moscow, along with Victor. And just last two notes for this program today. One citizenreporter.org, that's where you go for more shows as there are, what, 300, 471, I lose track of how many numbers, and the other note There is a program called News of the World, News with a Z, where Tim Pritlove and I discuss the news, and we're starting a new exciting segment this week, but there are already so many programs for you to listen to. So by all means, News of the World, look for it, subscribe, and you can hear a different kind of program from this production duo. All right, that's it. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.